Hi, my name's John Kasher and welcome to Cash Talk, where there'll be no boundaries and a lot of straight talk. All things money, business, and just everyday stuff. Hey guys, before we get started, just a quick reminder that all the information in this podcast is of a general nature and not tailored to your personal circumstances. So please seek personal financial advice before acting on this information. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another session of Cash Talk. And today I'm joined by Mason Thorne. And me and Mason, um, as financial advisors, are going to break down a very uh, topical thing, which is around how to have uh, healthy money conversations with your partner. So, Mason, how are you this morning? You're going well, thanks, John. Going well. Uh, that's it. That's it. Now, um, we often see a lot of people come to see us and um, they after breaking down a few conversations, it probably doesn't happen in the first conversation that we have with people, let's be honest, but it's around having healthy conversations uh, around money with their partner because, you know, their, money, their partner might be on a different page. They might be discussing a couple of different things. And yeah, we want to go on to leave people with a few tips and ideas about how to handle that. So um, Mason, I know you see a lot of it. So um, what's, the, what's the main starting conversation that usually people have when they, um, when they come to see us to obviously you know, not, I don't like to use the word alert, but usually they're quite concerned because they're not having these conversations with their partners. Yeah, it's funny. When people come to see us, it's usually the first time they've actually ever spoken about money together. Um, and it's quite interesting that, and it'd be quite a miracle really if two different people had the exact same goals. So one of the most powerful things that we seem to do is just having that conversation saying, hey, what do you want to achieve? And sometimes you might get one person with a couple saying, oh, I actually have no idea you want to do that. It's just, and that's it's a real opener for a lot of people. And I think getting everyone on the same page, such mm-hmm. a such a valuable conversation. And it's just, yeah, it's one of the best things that we do. I really think. Mm. And we really see some really good, um, uh, really good uh, things happen for these couples when they do get on the same page. And you know, for the people and the viewers that are watching this, it's really around, or well, how much time do you actually spend and dedicate? with each other around talking about your plans moving forward. Like, you know, what are we trying to achieve? Why are we both working or why is one of them working? And, you know, you guys have might have a couple of kids, you know, at your, at your, ne- at your knees, you know, you know, pulling you from here to there and doing all of these things. But, you know, how much time are you actually spending on what are we doing it all for? You know, what's the plan? And, and to be honest with you, the first step is just opening the conversation to probably set some time with one another to just say, hey, you know, what are we doing with our money? What's the go? And and this is okay. Like this is pretty normal that these conversations don't happen. And it's one of the things that, you know, when you were young, um, I know for me, money was a little bit of a taboo kind of topic. You didn't really talk about it. It wasn't something that you kind of shared with other people. But when you've got a partner and you're having, you know, your life journey with them, it's really around, okay, well, we need to talk about money because it's a really, really big part of our future together. So um, first kind of tip is obviously just to simply dedicate time, isn't it, Mason? Definitely. Whether that's once a week, once a month, um, just having a, mm-hmm. having time to sit down, have a conversation, where are we at? Are we on track? Are we off track? Just these general mm-hmm. conversations. And I think these types of things can go from a zero to like zero to 10. So 10 knowing absolutely everything about each other and the finances and zero knowing nothing. Like, And we see a range of outcomes. So I know I've had some clients who don't even know what the other spouse actually earns. And that's that's clearly down the lower end of that scale. And you, you need to know these things. How can you possibly achieve and build a life together without knowing this such a foundational piece of what you need to build the life? 
Um, so I think that's a really crucial, crucial one. Just yeah, to once a week might be too often for some people, but at least once a month. And, may, and you can try and make it fun as well. Maybe it's a date night mm. where you might just go mm. out and say, okay, mm. let's spend the next 30 minutes chatting away. Mm. Um, and mm. what are your concerns? What, is, what are some positive things to happen to, with our money this month? And all these little mm. things. Um, the mm. more often you do it, one, the easier you'll get, and two, the mm. better you'll get at it as well. So I think it's a really, really good good tip, John, to just have that have that uh, regular dialogue with, uh, with money. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. And I think I think in those conversations as well too, it's really around setting the goals. Like 2023 has just started and it's around, okay, well, what do we want to achieve for 2023? Like I know we get caught up in the audacious goals and the long-term goals and everything like that, but can we just break that down for like the next 12 months? Yeah, what are we trying to achieve in 2023? And looking at certain areas and, and remember to make them smart, yeah, not to make them just a, oh, want to buy a car. Like, okay, well, why do you want to buy the car? What's the purpose? All of that stuff. I'm really trying to break it down into the smart system. And if you're not aware of what the smart system is in regards to goals, please just Google smart system. We also encourage what they call a smarter system as well too. So if you just type into Google, for example, smarter goal setting system, you'll be able to see how that does. And there's a lot of useful tips in regards to how to break down those goals. But reality is, is getting yourself on the same page. We do find as well too that, Relationships actually do flourish as well too. A lot of stress in regards to um, relationships also stems from money. And there's a lot of stats, there's a lot of research, there's a lot of things that happen in regards to in regards to money conversation. So, you know, it's very important to us that, you know, one, you're on the same page, two, you're spending the time and dedicating, but three, also you're setting the goals for the next 12 months as well too in regards to what are you really, really trying to achieve? And and why you're working you know people are working longer than ever they're doing you know they're working harder you know maybe not physically but mentally um and they're working longer hours and you know what's it all for what's the fruit at the end of all of this as well too spot on i think yeah i think that's a good way to, to end that one like what is the fruit at the end of it like we go to work every day or most of us go to work every day anyway and there's got to be something at the end of it you can't just be going there just as a routine thing and there needs to be some fruit at the end or the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. But a common one I see, John, when I'm speaking with uh, couples and things, there is usually one member of the couple who knows more about the finances and seems to have a bit more of, I don't want to say control, but it is almost control the finances. The other spouse is sort of just there and along for the ride sometimes. How, how would you go about making it a bit easier on the on the member of the couple who's probably not as engaged with the finances as maybe the other member of the couple is there some tips there that we can potentially look at for that for, for both members of the couple to hopefully get the other one engaged but also mm-hmm. for the one who doesn't really care about the finances to make them care maybe a touch more mm. i think the biggest one is that when you're speaking to these um these people that aren't so engaged they're not engaged because it doesn't excite them it's not like something that you know, they really yearn for, they might, you know, be really passionate about, I don't know, sport, for example. What we've got to understand is what's the reward for them? What are they trying to achieve? And this is why goal setting is so important. And if you don't have open conversations, you could essentially be running your finances, the person who's, let's call them the financial controller, the financial controller on the life and the goals that they want, presuming that the other person wants that as well. But that may not be the case. You know, one person, for example, might want to have a big goal about having a big lavish home, okay? But the other one doesn't have that buy-in. That's not what that that's not what excites them. That's not what they want to do. You know, for them, they're happy in their house that they're in, but they want a holiday more. 
Okay, that's what they that's what they want to do. So I think once you find the common ground about what you want to do, okay, and you find for the um, you find for the non-financial controller their goals and their reward, okay, you send, you tend to see that buy-in happen much much quicker, okay. And um, there's a, a beautiful story on our website if you just jump onto www.afagroup.com, uh, um, you will see there's a story about actually Maddie and the Dean, and Ma and Maddie wasn't really bought into this. This was it played out exactly, and, and Maddie's now bought in, okay. And the reason how we got that that buy-in is by setting the reward system and the goals for him that he bought in. And once they were both on the same page, we were able to achieve massive, massive results for them. And we do have this often. It doesn't mean that the person who's the non-financial controller all of a sudden becomes the financial controller and they start fighting over who controls. Like that's okay for that to be delegated in regards to roles. And I'm a big, big advocate of roles in all of life aspects, okay? But you still need that person's excitement and that buy-in. And once you get that excitement and that buy-in, You've got two people that are focused on goals um, that the family or the, or, the, or the couple wants to achieve. And just funnily enough, that wealth creation just goes to that next level. They end up achieving their goals better because you've got that buy-in that you've always wanted. That's a really good point, John, because sometimes there are conflicting goals, aren't there? There's, as you said, the dream house versus the holidaying. And what I really, really often see is there are there's usually one member of the couple is a spender and one member of the couple is a saver. And it's very, very true that opposites do attract. Like, honestly, I think 9% of couples are this way. It's very mm -hmm. rare you get two spenders or two mm -hmm. savers. So having that spender, having that saver, how do you satisfy both members mm -hmm. of the couple in this regard? Because it can be quite, if you're, if I'm, because I'm a saver personally, if, mm -hmm. if my partner is a spender, that could be quite frustrating. It's like, I'm trying mm -hmm. to save this money for this thing. And then you keep spending it. And then you can see where that can create a bit of conflict. How do we, how do yeah. we get the best of both worlds there? Yeah, definitely. And and this is this is only too close to home. Like I remember, you know, when I first started dating my wife and we started, you know, just talking about finances. It was a topic obviously that, you know, was of interest to me. So we had a, a deep conversation and she was a typical spender. Yeah, she earned money, she spent money. Um, but what we what I soon figured out is that she spent money because she had no goals or things that she was actually using the money for. Okay. And I love working with spenders. People have this um, misconception that, you know, financial advisors love working with savers. Yeah, I do not mind them, but I love say, uh, spenders. And the reason why I love spenders is because spenders also have the drive usually and the determination to increase their income as much as possible to facilitate the goal that they want to achieve. And that second point is the most important. It's the goal. So a spender without framework, a spender without goals, doesn't achieve they just blow money because it's like well what it, what's it all for yeah if you've got no purpose it just goes whereas savers traditionally are more worried about tomorrow than they are about today and there's a little bit of anxiety that kind of sits in there and this is where the conflict happens it's kind of that one's a bit laissez-faire they kind of just chill out a little bit the other one's a bit anxious and that kind of creates this conflict with one another but that common goal setting that is quite vital and you know, we, you know, Mason, obviously in our business, we we play a crucial role in sometimes being that initial mediator to sit down, get the goals of everyone, what they want to achieve, bring it together, and then build a plan that's consistent for the, for the couple and for the family. So, you know, um, it does create conflict, but I think it really stems from what we're trying to achieve together, create some common goals, understand the values of everyone and what their values are, like, you know, what kind of, 
you know, it, it, having a list of values, understanding what's important to them. And usually, you know, when you're in a relationship, there's a lot of shared values, okay? Values start and they should be shared. And then obviously from those uh, shared values, then stems the goals. And then from the goals is then the action plan, which comes into where a financial plan kind of comes in. And then the strategies and solutions to make those come to, come to fruition. Now, in saying that, there has to be some leeway um, from both parties, okay? Um, so, you know, one can't be like, no, it's my way or the highway, and then the other one's just left because then they would just be like, yeah, well, I'll just continue doing what I wanted to do. So, you know, even with me and my wife, I was a traditional saver. I needed to adjust and, and live a little bit of my life. As my wife used to say, you've got to smell the roses, John. You know, you're only alive once. You know, we've got to do things. And especially now with the kids, I want to be able to kind of enjoy, you know, my time with the children. And when you put the kind of the value set of where that kind of time with children um, is, it's, it's right up there. So, you know, a lot of my goals have now become more spending orientated goals from where they were. But there's obviously a lot of saving orientated goals as well, too, which she's she's bought into because she now sees the fruits of that framework as well. I think, it's really good. I think it's a really good point. There has to be some compromise on both sides when it comes to these things. You can't just have it all one way or the other. And I think what makes these conversations somewhat conflicting is we are bringing different money stories to together and into the couple. So someone might have been brought up in a family where money was quite scarce and so it holds on to it for dear life, whereas someone else might have been brought up in a family that had money free-flowing and was able to spend what they wanted. Bringing these two people together you can see where that can really, really bubble down. You've got to really get down to that nitty-gritty. And, and as you said, like, make sure we compromise and we, we're achieving things for both sides and make sure both sides are happy that we are saving enough so the saver's satisfied, but also spending enough and smelling the roses for that spender. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if, if you don't have these conversations, there's going to be resentment, isn't there? There's going to be resentment there. It's like, oh, I, I want to do all these things, but you wouldn't let me because you save all that money or vice versa. It's... Mm-hmm we spent all this money, now we can't do anything later on in life because we've got nothing there. So it's that compromise is so crucial and these conversations, you can see why they're so, so powerful for our clients. Yeah, definitely. And when we dig deeper, we always realise that your money values and the way that you think and interact with money and obviously then the end up conversations and the way your mindset around that, it stems from when you're just a little child. This is usually way before the relationship, you know, were you, you know, in an affluent family? Did money come easy? Did money come hard? You know, did you go through ups and downs? Like, what's your kind of relationship with money? And when you're bringing that relationship with another person's relationship and bringing those two together, this is where the conversations um, sometimes create some conflict, but there's strategies and solutions to be able to walk through. And we shared some today. And listen, I want to thank everyone for jumping on as well too. Please feel free to leave some comments um, or leave some uh, questions as well too. Me and Mason are happy to uh, answer some questions as well too. Um, so Mason, there's obviously some conflicts as well too, and there's some roles and, and, and whatnot, but what's a further kind of tips and insights that we can give around this, this topic? Yes, good one. I think for me, it's knowing knowing exactly one what's coming in. Make sure everyone's on the same page. Know what's coming in, but also what are the non-negotiables? Is an annual holiday a non-negotiable? If you can decide the non-negotiables, then you can set those in the budget. They're set and forget. Then it's working around that, saying, okay, we've got our non-negotiables. We know what's coming in. What what can we do now? What's what's our next? What's the next thing we want to check off? What's what's mm-hmm. next on the bucket list, so to speak? Is it buying the dream home and saving towards that? 
Or is it going on that big overseas holiday with the family and, and having that conversation around and saying, what do we want to do first? What's most important to us? And what's going to lead us to the most happiness moving forward? So I think having, we always mention it, but having that budget in place is just so, so crucial. And not just for couple conversations, but it's just for everyone. Knowing your cash flow is just so, so crucial um, when it comes to these things that are achieving your financial goals. But making sure everyone in the couple knows it. And even, even children too, John, I haven't got any kids myself, but even kids knowing these things about what's coming in, what's going out, that's going to serve them really, really well in the future as well. So mm-hmm. it's not just having conversations just as a couple, but conversations mm-hmm. as a family when it comes to money. I think that's really, really powerful as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I, I do have some kind of pushback in regards to people not sharing stuff with their children. And sometimes I, you know, I appreciate that. Me and my wife are very open in our conversations with our children. Obviously, we don't need to be really kind of telling them absolutely everything, but the fundamentals of the money and how it works and how things position, there's no better way to do it than show them. And I can tell you that the most wealthiest clients that we have, the big thing is bringing their children involved. And also the most successful clients that I see are the ones that both of them are on the same page. You know, they're both rocking up to meetings. They're both involved. They're both engaged. They're both setting the goals together. Like that is just setting up things for, you know, an amazing financial future and the great foundations. But Mason, let's talk about the people that might be having the conversations or trying to have the conversations and really kind of can't break through. They, You know, they feel like they're knocking their head in, on a brick wall. Um, it's okay to seek help, yeah? It's okay to seek help. And what kind of... What kind of things would you be telling those people that have tried but feel like they're hitting their, their head on a brick wall? I think it's a good point. And have, because having that third party, as you said, seeing how having that third party is it's fantastic because you one, you can both bounce ideas off the, the third party, and third party can give up impartial input. So one one person that call might actually just be might be incorrect in their thinking and just and giving them a different way of thinking. Say, hey. Have you thought about doing it this way instead? So actually, I haven't thought of that way. That actually could work for both of us. So having that third party there, yes, there generally is a cost to having that third party, mm. but what's the cost of not having it? That's mm. that's my thing. What's the cost of not having that part where you're going to live an unsatisfied life, unsatisfied goals? Is your relationship going to end up being in trouble and being a resentful relationship because you haven't had these conversations, having that third party to bounce things off? So, so crucial. But I think those that are having trouble, I think, Keep keep at it. Even if you don't get a third party, keep at it. Like it's, and I think when you mentioned before, like meeting up weekly or monthly, booking it in the calendar. So hey, first Monday of the month, we meet and we discuss money. Monday money. Mm -hmm. Let's just call it Monday money nights. We do that. We get pizza in. Do that, Mm -hmm. and then maybe maybe in January you go away for a week for holidays, and during that time, you said, okay, this is our big session. 2023, what are we doing in 2023? Having that open conversation, then you know, you're seeing the standard at the start of the year, what are we going to mm-hmm. do? And this, the conversation is never super, super easy. It's never going to be like mm-hmm. this breezy conversation, um, particularly when there are some conflicts. Um, but the more you mm-hmm. do it, you'll find it does become easier and there's less mm-hmm. and less conflicts because you know what each other's like and what you want to do. Um, so that would be my tips, John, regarding where mm-hmm. you're finding these Head, head-butting situations where you're just not getting where you want to get to. Just keep trying mm-hmm. and seeking the help of the third party because that third party is worth their mm-hmm. one goal. Yeah, and I think also changing the dialogue as well too is a really good one. Um, so when, you, when you're when you talking around these conversations, it's around, okay, not, hey, babe, let's talk about money. Yeah, 
What about if we reframe that and we said, okay, babe, let's talk about what we're trying to achieve in 2023 and beyond, okay? That is a much more open conversation that the other person is willing to kind of buy into rather than let's talk about money because there's usually some apprehension, there's usually some psychology things that kind of sit in mindset stuff that's behind that conversation. So really framing it in the right way, which is, hey, let's talk about what we're going to achieve in 2023, you know, let's do because really I want to be making sure that this is the best year ever and really trying to push that forward, okay? So reframing, very, very important. I think the other one as well too is then when you're in that conversation, the first one doesn't necessarily need to be deep into the money conversation. If you're just setting around goals and what we know want to achieve, the other person is not silly. They're going to realize that money is the vehicle to make that happen. So when we then set it in a nice tone, we understand what the mechanism or the vehicle is to get there. And then the third thing is a must is what's the reward for achieving that goal? Okay. Is it the goal itself? Is it a flow on from that? So for example, if the goal was ends up being money goal is we want to pay off $25,000 of our mortgage. That's not going to excite the other person. Okay. If that's not what they, that's not what it is. If they're not, not going to excite them. So by paying off the house by 25,000, we've got the ability to go on that interstate holiday that we've been planning for because that's what the other person wanted. So once you link that financial goal to the lifestyle goal that they want, bingo, you've got some buying, okay? So this is why the value conversation, the goal conversation, and the reframing of the way that you talk with your partner is so important to have healthy money conversations. And like Mason said, continuing to do it, continuing to do it, it will become better to the point where I can honestly say I have weekly conversation, if not more than weekly conversations with my wife, it now excites her, but we don't talk about the intricacies of what needs to be in each budget, you know, bank account and what, like, it's not about that. Yeah, that's mine. I'm kind of like the financial controller on that side. It's more about understanding the goals, the pathway, why we're doing what we're doing and the roles that each other are playing to make sure that we're getting to where we need to get to. Big audacious goals usually don't change. It's the more shorter ones, but for the people that are maybe butting heads with the other ones, you need to understand what those shorter goals are. You need to have a plan for that, making that happen. And this is where sometimes the complexities happen. And this is where often people then go, okay, well, we need a third party to come in, not only to have a robust plan and help us with the strategies and solutions to optimize to where we've got to go to, but also to work as that mediator or as a third person, that sounding board to be able to kind of facilitate the conversation, not just once off, but obviously regularly. And the more it gets done, the better the buying happens, okay? Now, I've loved this conversation and we're looking to do more as as, as the time go, it goes on. Obviously, um, there's, this is being streamed across uh, our Facebook, our um, YouTube, on the Cashflow podcast as well too, and now live on Instagram. So please feel free to leave some comments. If you like this, share it. Um, if you have any further suggestions or want to make some further comments, please uh, do so. But for everyone, thank you for joining us on this Friday and we look forward to seeing you next time. And Mason, thanks for joining us as well again. Thanks. No worries at all. See you guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cash Talk. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you want to learn more about me, jump onto my Instagram at, at thejohncasher.com and you'll find me there or at my website at www.johncasher.com.au. Thanks for listening. Cheers.